This is Agatha Brewer, and you're listening to the Intentional Solopreneur Podcast, the show about how to launch and grow a successful service-based business. In each episode, I show you how to build a business on purpose, one that lights you up, keeps you inspired, and helps you make a bigger impact on the world. I share both marketing strategy and my best mindset tips to help you get the clarity and confidence you need to succeed as a new business owner. Hi, everyone. This is Agatha Brewer, and you're listening to the Intentional Solopreneur Podcast. Joining me today is Chris Templeton, the founder of Oh, The Stories We Tell. He works with business owners and individuals to help them rewrite the stories they tell themselves. His goal is simple, to provide you three questions and a model to create more meaning and happiness in your life with your family, friends, work, and most importantly, yourself. This is not therapy or a belief system, but a tool to help you enhance and clarify what is most important to you. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Agatha. Super pleased to be here. So for today's episode, I thought we'd talk about how the stories we tell ourselves can really influence how we show up in our business and also in our life. They help shape our reality and what we think we're capable of in our business. So it's important that we always look at what we're telling ourselves and make sure they're empowering and authentic stories. So I'd love to just start out with this. If you could just tell me a little bit about what inspired you to create Oh, the Stories We Tell. And also, I love that name. So if you could just expand on that a little bit as well. Absolutely. Um, I I don't know when I came up with the name, but the way this all started, well, first of all, I've always been fascinated by people from the time I was a kid, you know, the, in middle school, the boys pulling the girl's hair, the, you know, all the kind of crazy ways that we have a tendency to behave. And also just in general, like, Why was I different in terms of not wanting to do those kinds of things? And why did other people want to behave that way? And so um, I've always had that curiosity and kind of about human behavior. And so uh, the other thing that came up was in 2003, I read a book uh, called The Power of Now. And it's by a guy named Eckhart Tolle. And the thing that really hit me right out the gate is he said something along the lines of, we are all really, really good at driving ourselves crazy in, in different parts of our lives. And and the thing that struck me was, you know, at first, the initial reaction is, no, that's that's all out there. That's not me. But you start to read and you start to, he talks about the pain body, which I equate to the ego, um, and how we latch on to things that don't serve us. And we really do tell ourselves stories that make us crazier instead of that are authentic and, and, and create value for us. So anyway, I, that was really the impetus of it. I've been in business since well, for most of my life, but in my current role since 2003, and it really applied to my business. As I started to play with this idea, I came up with three questions and a resulting model, which we'll talk about in a little bit. 
it really changed how I was as a parent, how I was as a uh, in my relationships with my wife and with my friends, and how I dealt with coworkers, vendors, and clients um, at my work. And so, I mean, and it really changed in a dramatic way how I kind of saw the world. So that's kind of how I got there, and and what the interest was. Oh, the stories we we tell came from, you know, reading, I think it was in in The Power of Now, him talking about stories. And oh, the stories we tell, it didn't really occur to me, is absolutely a takeoff on Oh, the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. Like, was the, it could have just been the stories we tell, but oh, the stories we tell kind of lightened it up. And, and I felt it made, I felt like people could relate to, oh, the stories we tell a whole lot easier. So that's, that's the basic background of, of how I got to this place. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and yeah, I'm a coach and I tell my own stories about what I can and can't do and about my life and all aspects of my life. My clients do it. So yeah, I think it's a really important thing to take a look at and be aware of uh, in our business. So you had asked me to read your favorite quote to kind my of help set up this episode. Um, so this is by Victor E. Frankel and the quote goes like this. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So I'd love to hear what, what that means to you. Well, the first thing I think that's important to talk about is the background. Viktor Frankl was in the uh, concentration camps during World War II, uh, was a psychiatrist before going in. And, you know, I mean, I don't know what could be a worse situation for a human being to be in other than something like that, where you're seeing people not fed well, that are dying left and right, the whole gas chambers, I mean, the way they were treated like they were vermin. Um, and the thing that that struck me about, and I'm sure him as well, was his ability through all of that to create meaning. And so he watched all kinds of people give up on life. And then he saw these amazing acts of grace of, you know, somebody finding a piece of bread or saving a piece of bread to give to somebody else who really needed it. Like the whole range was there. And what he found was this incredible meaning. But it was his point was it was up to him to choose his response between stimulus and response. And so for me, why this is so critically important, why it's really the, kind of the underlying foundation of, of the stories we tell is that everything that I'm doing is geared to help me and the people that understand this model and questions to create more space between stimulus and response. Think about the places where there is no space between stimulus and response, and we're living by default, we tend to be in a place that doesn't serve us, and then we ask why things aren't changing. <laughs> and so this idea of what can I do to create space between the, the time that the vendor calls my client and says, I distinctly told you not to do something, and that this and create space between that and my response and how I'm going to handle it in a way that serves my client, that serves me and serves the vendor. 
Um, so it's just so critically important. Like I feel like when people kind of get that idea, oh, I can increase space. And everybody knows that when I when you do that, better things <laughs> better things happen. Yeah, I mean, to me, that just reminds me of like being in an argument with somebody like you know, your spouse or, or anybody really, and like just taking that breath and then thinking yeah. before speaking, you know, and I, that can apply to so many things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And also you mentioned um, like the, the camps and, you know, my background, I'm, I'm Polish and I've been to Auschwitz, I've been to Birkenau, and I can't even imagine like what life was like then. And you know, the, the meaning that you would make out of that situation and, and trying to stay positive in such a horrific experience, you know. The, the one thing I just want to comment on that, and, and I think if Viktor Frankl were alive today, he'd say it wasn't about staying positive. And I, I'm really on a bandwagon about us changing from positive thinking to authentic thinking. I mean, you have to, if you try to be po a positive thinker in that situation, what happens is, in my mind, most of us would suppress, well, this isn't really happening. Well, it is happening. And, and it's about creating a way of framing it up that I can say, oh my God, I understand why these people are behaving so badly and treating us so badly. It's not right. And, but I, I, there's some way that I can frame it where I can then move on from that negativity to something that's definitely more positive. But when we say positive thinking, I just, I'm, I see it all over Facebook these days is, you know, I'm in this really, really dark place. How do I think positively? Hmm. Well, you know, that's a big, big bridge to gap. And I think that if we're not looking at the negative side of the equation and reframing that as a starting point, that we're really doing ourselves a disservice because there's a part of us like, nope, 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 not, not working for me. And that's the part that, you know, we start driving ourselves crazy with because we're not being authentic with ourselves about the situation. So that's my little take on positive thinking. It's not that I, I, I want you, everybody to end up in a positive place, but it has to be a process that really takes a look at what the negative is and, and dealing with it face on. And there's a part of us that does not want to do it and wants to put it in a corner, pretend it's not there, and, but it kind of ruminates and it just does not serve us. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, it's like not um, not ignoring the bad stuff that has happened because obviously that was like a very big example in history, uh, but also like being able to move on from it and, and make some meaning out of it and, and keep moving forward. You know, the the one thing that, that we hear a lot of is that statement, um, what we resist persists. persists. <laughs> yeah. And what we ignore persists too. We just, we got to stop ignoring the things that are making us uncomfortable so yeah. so i was wondering if you could share like a few stories that you've either told yourself or you've heard other people tell themselves you know in terms of like entrepreneurs that you've worked with or business owners well you know i think one of the things that comes up especially for business owners is 
we tell a lot of stories that don't serve us and it's because they're cultural it's because of what we've seen like my dad was a, a life insurance agent and he always complained about management well you know it didn't serve him to do that um, but as business owners you know we look at things and we frame things up we have a tendency to frame things up in a way where we feel powerless and a bit of a victim in certain parts of our business. And so what I think is so critically important is to look at the things that you say to yourself as a business owner, either about yourself or the environment that you're in with clients, vendors, that sort of employees or contractors, and make sure that what we're telling is a well-framed and well-balanced story. We have such a tendency to say, well, you know, oh, my employees just don't understand what I'm doing. That contractor, what was he thinking? And instead of going to that place of, let's find out, <laughs> we instead just carry that story and build on it. And part of the problem is so much of the stories that we tell as business owners, we, we go into what I call proof of truth mode, where we're proving that we're right and somebody else is wrong. And that's where we really get into trouble because then we stop talking to the people that we need to talk to, to figure out what really is going on. And so I think so much of what we need to do as, as business owners is recognize that we have to frame stories in a way that serves us and we'll frame, and typically if it serves us authentically, it serves the people that we're working with. So, you know, whether it's what was that person I was trying to sell to uh, my product, what were they thinking when they chose not to buy and be angry? I mean, I've, I, I remember distinctly a, a, a very good friend of mine 30 years ago in business and, and saying somebody chose to, to do something, oh, to go with another vendor and I'm I'm going to get even with them. Oh, great. You know, come on. How's that? How's that serving us? And so, so much of, so much of what we do as business owners is so good. And there's these places where we really <laughs> put ourselves in a corner that doesn't serve us. And so whether it's, you know, selling, whether it's dealing with um, how my contractors, employees, and vendors are, are dealing with us. If what we have this tendency to do is to say, ah, uh, uh, and and kind of stop there with that emotion we're not serving ourselves and really in a lot of ways i think we're hog tying ourselves yeah and it's interesting like sometimes it's like the stories we tell about like that example that you used where somebody decided not to work with us it's like we're making up the reasons in our head why they didn't work with us even if we have like zero evidence for that like i know i've like Absolutely. just thinking about myself when I was just starting and I was on like a sales call with someone and they decided not to work with me for whatever reason. I started like making up stories in my head as to why they decided not to work with me. And then I looked back and I was like, what am I doing? Like, it has nothing to do with me, most likely. It's like some other reason, you know, and it's just like removing yourself from that and look, taking a step back and saying, wait, hold on. Like, there's probably not really truth to that. And in coaching, like terminology, it's kind of like basically finding evidence for the opposite truth and and seeing mm -hmm. those things the positive things or the other reasons you know instead of just making something like i was basically putting words in, into somebody's mouth and i know a lot of new entrepreneurs do that because they're scared 
to sell, you know, and so they come up with reasons why they're not good enough, you know, and so, yeah, I see a lot of applications. <laughs> and, and the thing that's so important to understand is when we're telling those stories, our behavior changes in not a good way. Like we don't even recognize that we're like, well, you know, if that's how he's going to behave, blah, 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 blah. And, and you can kind of feel it. And so the other thing that I think is really important to talk about is, you know, we talk about the ego or, I, as I mentioned, uh, Eckhart Tolle calls it the pain body. And a lot of, there's a lot of sentiment culturally that the ego is the enemy, you know, and that's the part that, you know, is always criticizing me and putting me in a victimhood stance and that sort of thing. And so for me, one of the really, really critical parts of what I talk about is that that part of us that's critical of ourselves and the world around us, I like to call the, the protector with a capital P. Like, I want this, I want this protector put on a pedestal in a way that most people would say, what are you talking about? That's the ego. We've got to get rid of that. And the problem is, it goes right back to what we were talking about a minute ago, is what you resist persists. And if you look at that part of you, that aspect of you that I like to call the protector, and I honor that part of me and say, gee, what is it that you, what is the story and why do you feel that way? Then I, I, I need to be the airline's counter agent dealing with a very, very cranky traveler. And the first mm -hmm. thing that they do is they zip it and they let that customer just unload. And it's the same thing with the protector is with we take that part of ourselves and really let it listen to it. And, and, and the funny thing is the protector is also pretending that, that is also thinking to us, but we really shouldn't talk about this. We shouldn't go there, but it's really awful. And, and so it's kind of this catch 22 uh, approach that the protector has. But when we listen to what the protector is saying about any given situation, it always mellows them out. So much of what I talk about is there's two steps to anything that we're struggling with. First is to listen to the, the part of us that's got us in a tizzy and really listen to what it is and then see if we can't balance out that story with more perspective like you were talking about you know with somebody or with you know somebody who doesn't buy from me and i have this tendency that's all protector to well you know i'm going to prove that i was right and he was wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah there's always i mean that reminds me like in coaching again like there's different archetypes, like the protector is one of them, the saboteur, you know, there's different examples, but usually like they sound bad on the surface, but they usually just want something for you, for, for you. Like they want you to feel safe. They want you to feel comfortable and they speak out in, in their own way. And on the surface, it may seem like terrible and you don't want to listen to them, but really it's just like acknowledging that part of you exists, listening to what it has to say, and then like moving on or choosing differently or so. Yeah, I, I can see how. And it's informative. It, it, it really is informative. Once we stop being afraid of that part of us and listen to it 
It's never as, you know, one of the things that just fascinates me, it's never as bad as it seems, or almost never. Um, a, a guy named Tim Ferriss, the four-day, four-hour work week, he talks about fear setting. And in my model, that is all about listening to every last piece of concern, criticism, fear, victimization, powerlessness that that the protector is telling us to keep us safe. It's not, in other words, the protector, I call it the protector because he's really there to keep us safe and it's, we're hardwired for it. You know, fear, fight or flight and now what's fight, flight or freeze is, yeah. And so when we decide that, okay, I'm going to listen to this, it's a huge step in moving us in a a direction that's going to serve us sales, how I work with my employees, how I lead. Like, am I creating a space where the people that I work with feel safe? Not safe like, oh, I, I it's a safe space, but safe from the standpoint that I'm not going to be criticized unjustly, that I'm not going to be judged. All of those things require extra thought. But when we kind of talk ourselves down from that protector stance, and we create a space for the people that we work with. And it doesn't matter. I don't care if it's me as an employee talking to a boss, me as a, a business owner talking to a client, or me talking to a vendor. I want all of those people in my conversations to have a sense of trust that they, you know, what is it? No like, and trust. That they feel mm-hmm. that comfort because I'm going to get so much more done than if I'm just trying to ram things through and deal with, oh, you know, the way that customer's behaving, blah, blah, blah. So So I wanted to move into a little bit about um, your philosophy. And you talk about uh, these two frames of minds, I guess I I would Mm -hmm. call them. You can correct me, but little me and enlighten me. So if you could talk (laughs) a, a little bit about those and, you know, where they came from. Sure. So... I'm going to take one step back and and say that as I'm thinking this through, I came up with three questions. And the three questions are, and if you if you were to take a piece of eight and a half by eleven or a four paper and turn it sideways so it's in landscape mode, in the top left corner, you would write question one is, what's the story I'm telling? And the reason that we talk about that I talk about story is, it is inherently editable. Like that, you know, like, oh, the stories we tell, that lightens things up. Looking at my thinking and how I visualize things as a story, what that does is it allows me to think of it from a place that it's not fixed. I'm really trying to to get to the gray area all the time to get, you know, so that I'm not polarized on one side or the other. The second question, which would go on the left side of the paper in the middle, uh, middle left, is, is this story serving me in this moment? In this moment, in this moment, in this moment. I don't care about how it worked for you yesterday, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, a lifetime ago. In this moment, right here and now, is what I'm saying to myself about myself or the what's going on around me, the issue that I'm dealing with, is it serving me? And there's just an inner wisdom that we have where we we can't ask that question 
and not authentically get an answer. Now, the the way that it does get answered sometimes is, well, what do you mean? Of course it's serving me, and that's mm-hmm. not serving you, <laughs> yeah. right? So, so then the third question is, can I tell a more authentic story? And if we go back to this whole idea of Viktor Frankl's The Space Between Stimulus and Response, each question creates more space. When you look at the second question, does this story serve me in this moment? You can draw a horizontal line across the middle of the paper. And what I say is if your thinking doesn't serve you, the answer is no, this is not serving me. That's above the line thinking. And I call that little me land. If what I'm thinking is serving me, I call that authentic me. And actually, there's a third one that I call enlightened me. And if you know what flow is, you know, that uh, the runner's high where they, they're running, running, and it's worse and worse and worse. And then all of a sudden, they get this runner's high. That's flow. Flow is when I'm newly in love and there's just nothing wrong with the world. And flow is uh, when I'm driving down the freeway and kind of come to my senses like, oh, my God, I've driven 30, 30 miles and and uh, and don't have any recollection of it. So flow, that state and below is what I call enlightened me. And so the idea is that I'm not shooting to get enlightened to enlighten me all the time, but what I'm trying to do is spend less time in little me land where and have less emotion around it and really to more often move to a place of authenticity. So above the line, little me land, fear problem orientation, um, victimization, powerlessness. And, and the funny one, I don't know if we discussed this before we got on, but what do you think the opposite of fear is? Love. Well, that's a pretty good one, but I don't think that, I I think, I I don't think that's, well, here, you tell me, we'll see if we, we can make that work. The, when I looked it up, the opposite of fear is curiosity. And I, I and the good news is when I'm curious, there's a whole lot more love to be <laughs> to be experienced and to be had. But think about it: when I'm in fear, I am trying to push myself, push that thing away that I don't want to deal with. And when I am below the line, I'm in authentic. When I'm in an authentic mode, I'm looking at a broader picture. I'm curious about what's that contractor doing? Why did that person not buy from me? Those kinds of questions. And and when I'm asking those kinds of questions, I, I come down below the line because I'm open to looking at what really is going on instead of above the line where I'm trying to prove that I was right and they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, it sounds like like a beginner's mindset where you're like looking at the world world as if you were a kid or, you know, just trying something for the first time versus having all your like preconceived notions and all your stories, <laughs> like directing Absolutely. the way you think. One of the, the um, people who really had a huge impact on, on this is a woman by the name of Jill Bolte Taylor, and she was a brain scientist and had a stroke which shut down the left side of her brain. And what she found was when it, the left side of her brain, which is responsible for really uh, from her, what I understood her to say is all your senses, it's your ability to operate on the planet. So she 
with her left side brain shutting down, instead of being freaked out and, oh my God, she had access to what she called her deep inner peace circuitry. She, she came outside of her body and thought, how could I ever fit this amazing consciousness back into my body? Um, and so by understanding that when I'm more curious, yes, I am open to, to love. I, I, and the thing that's also really important about what I talk about is this is not a belief system. So when you talk about beginner's mind, that is absolutely like absolutely authentic thinking, right? I'm not, I don't have preconceived notions. I'm not, you know, above the line is where all my baggage is. <laughs> she said, Jill Bolte Taylor said, you know, when my left brain would shut off, it was like all of a sudden all my baggage was gone and I was amazing and wonderful. So <laughs> I've seen that talk. It's amazing. I recommend everyone oh. watch it. Oh my God. <laughs> Just her talking about her trying to like dial some a phone number. <laughs> like, yeah. Trying to do it. Yeah, it was it was really cool. <laughs> and to see it, you know, she's very much uh an engineer scientist type, very, very flat in her um how she emotes. So you really feel like you're watching this scientist and which you are, and and to have her put that whole experience in perspective and talk about, you know, being so much more than, you know, her self, just herself, separate from the world. Um, it was, it's amazing. Really yeah. amazing. Yeah. So for the women who are listening to this episode, what are some practical steps they could do now to start rewriting their own stories? You know, the ones that they tell themselves on a daily basis that stop them from growing. Well, and I think it's for everybody, but I think I, my sense is that women have a narrative where they feel, and for a lot of good reasons, they feel like they're at a disadvantage. And, you know, I think the first thing that, that women need to do probably more than men, men need to do a different type of, a whole different type of introspection. But for women, I think the question is, where are the places that I feel powerless, where I feel like I'm a victim? And how can I begin to authentically tell a different story where I have a sense of agency? Above the line, I feel like a victim. Below the line, I have a sense of agency. And, and here's the thing, and, and I think that, that the way to do this is really important. You know, we hear so much about, oh, you've got to be in the moment, and you've got to be centered, and you've got to be grounded. And it's like, yeah, but how in the world do I do that? And my answer is appreciation, especially opposed to gratitude. I love gratitude when it's appropriate, but there's a whole lot of situations, especially as a woman in our culture, where... We, where women feel like they're less than or treated less than. And there's truth in that. Like this goes right back to that whole idea of, you know, I can't just deny what's going on, but I can reframe it. And here's one of the things that I also love about this model. Love what I do. <laughs> <laughs> when you start to frame things up the way that I'm suggesting, am I in little me mode? Am I in authentic me mode? Am I in flow and enlightened uh, for this moment. When I understand that model from my perspective, 
I also understand it from everybody else's perspective at some level. Now, I don't understand fully their story, but if I'm curious below the line to look at kind of why do some men be misbehave so badly and why do other men just misbehave in ways that they are not even conscious of? And so what I want women to do is to start to look at the things that they frame that up with and see if there's a more authentic story that they can tell that they end up with more agency. This is all about moving from victimization and helplessness and powerlessness to a place of agency where I'm centered and grounded in who I am. And I think, you know, unfortunately, not only in terms of how men behave, but culturally, um, how women are portrayed in our society, it's up to women to to take that stance back. I, uh, my wife, uh, who's in the other room, is one tough gal, and I love it. Like, her toughness to me is just golden. And so, you know, I'm not saying that women should be tough. I think, you know, you have different personality traits. We all have different ways of operating. But what's the way that I can get down and look and go, you know what? Culturally, we've got real problems and I'm here to do what I can in a way that authentically serves me and hopefully serves those people around me that are, you know, misbehaving. And also, you know, the, the other thing I want is for women to recognize all the men that aren't that way, that absolutely want them to be a part of the the uh, the solution and you know they want to be a part of that solution i want to be a part of the solution to how women are, are being mistreated so i want this because here's what we do and it doesn't matter whether it's the me too movement any movement uh, uh black lives matter we have a tendency to just blanket a story that you know white men are are bad or men are bad or those kinds of things and i want my one of my favorite thing, things is the the standard distribution curve in in statistics like for us to recognize that there are really really bad people there are really really good people and in the middle there are people that i can work with in a really authentic way and so for women i want them to figure out how to tell a story where they feel a sense of agency. And the thing is, is, we can't do it. We can't go from, oh, my God, you know, working with this male is a really awful thing to, oh, my God, everything's wonderful. That's not happening, isn't it? Is it? And so how do I create that perspective where I either decide that this is not somebody I can work with and it's time to move on, that I can put up with that behavior and recognize recognize it at some level it is about me but at such a much bigger level it's about somebody misbehaving up in little me land and it's about their own fear their own insecurity that sort of thing does that get to it yeah yeah that totally makes sense yeah and I, the the last thing you said is about like somebody else dealing with their own story or dealing with their own stuff. And I, I think that's just so such a valid point. Like we think about things in our life and, you know, we, we think, oh, somebody did this to me because of 
something I did, but usually if somebody's acting out, like they've got their own stuff that they're working through and you just happen to be in their way. <laughs> so. What, one of the things I, I recognized uh, not too long ago is that bullies cannot exist below the line. Hmm. There's just no way that anybody's a bully authentically, whether it's just minute. Oh, Kate. Oh, yeah. And, and I kind of blow, blow off a woman because she's a woman to, you know, really egregious stuff. Uh, but we got to recognize that those stories are going on for other people and, and try to, because when we create appreciation and understanding of why they're behaving the way, I get to take myself off the hook at some level, right? I get to be, as in terms of being a victim of it, I get to have more agency, more space. And, and that space between stimulus and response is where I can put those into perspective. My daughter works for uh, a couple of men who are just awful to women. And, you know, she 10 years ago would have said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm victimized by this. I can't stand it, blah, blah, blah. And, and she said to us on a phone call recently, you know what? His behavior is not about me. Hmm. What? And what a great empowering recognition to say, there's a guy that lives in little me land in a big way above the line in thinking that doesn't serve us, which doesn't serve people below him. But I have the ability to decide how much of that behavior is about me. Even though I'm on the receiving end of it, I get that part. But this is about uh, so much more about you know, how this guy was raised, his culture. And when I take those things into account, I'm in such a better place to move forward. And that's so this is that that fine line between, you know, trying to just push all that aside and be positive and move on and recognize it and then deciding how much of that behavior I want to handle. And then do I stay? Do I go? Um, and I think those are all tough, tough things that women are unfortunately subjected to more than men. Mm -hmm. But I don't think men I don't think men suffer any less for it. Well, they do suffer less, but it's just it's still icky yeah. for the people that behave that way. Yeah. So something that's coming up for me as we're talking. So it, it's one thing if you recognize that you have these limiting stories or <laughs> these beliefs or, you know, but what do you do if you're not aware of them? And are there, you know, signs that you're telling yourself that, you know, something's true or you're in that place? Is, is there anything you can do if you're kind of stuck, you know, in, in that space? It's a really good question. And I think there's a couple of answers to it. Um, the first one is when I feel icky, you know, the, the three questions don't talk about emotion at all. We don't, I don't want those questions to deal with emotion. Because if I go from, you know, how am I feeling, it's just too generalized. And so when I say, you know, is it, what's the story I'm telling and is it serving me in this moment, um, I'm opening myself up to resolving some of those issues. But to, to find them, I do think that emotions are really important. And I look at, I want everybody to look at emotions as indicators. 
hey, I'm not feeling good about whatever's going on. Is that story serving me? Is the story that I'm telling serving me? And then can I get to a place where I'm able to tell a new one? So I, I think it's that's really where feelings help is to say, okay, when I feel this way, and it can be positive or negative, there's plenty of positive thinking that does not serve us. Um, but when I, I mean, part of that is just asking the question, what's the story I'm telling and is it serving me? Those two questions right there are a great way. And, you know, so many people on the planet aren't going to be able to do this. Like this is, this is just out of some people's wheelhouse or they need, you know, you think about the people that go through life, they're, they're kind of jerks. And then all of a sudden they have, you know, a death defying experience and they, in, in, in some sense, come to their senses, don't they? So, you know, I think that the, the, for people that are watching this already have questions about what they can do to be better. So when I start with those three questions, that's the first place. The other place is this, is this idea of appreciation. Like, do I have a full appreciation of the whole story? Do I find that I'm in a place where I feel like a victim, I feel powerlessness, that sort of thing? Those are great indicators. Or that I'm, a judgment is another one. Oh, my God. If I'm running around judging people, whether it's myself, oh, my God, I'm not doing a good enough job or why isn't that guy doing a better job right any kind of judgment is also all above the line so if i find myself judging what's going on in a way where my next step my next default step is to prove that i'm right there's a great indicator that i'm in a place that's not serving me mm -hmm. Yeah, that last one I connect with a lot more on the self judgment side of sure. things. As a new entrepreneur, you're like, there can be the tendency for people to judge everything they do, you know, because they're feeling a little insecure or have a little bit of imposter syndrome because they're just getting started. So that's definitely one that I resonate with. Can, can I just say uh, one of the things that's coming up a lot I'm seeing is, is this whole imposter syndrome thing, which I fully agree. I, I, it's a, a real thing. But when you look at this from my model and what you understand is that protector part of you is trying to keep you safe, whether it's, you know, feeling like an, what, what it's doing is saying, well, you know, really, should you be doing this? Oh my God, look, you made a You obviously don't know. Like, when I recognize that that imposter syndrome comes from a very, very specific place, then again, what's the story I'm telling? Is it serving me? Oh no, I do not feel good about this. It's not serving me. What's a more authentic story? You know what? There are days in my business where I feel like a fish out of water and that I'm not going to get through this. Like if you have the courage to say that to yourself, because it's true, we all as business owners have had different aspects of that. And some things I'm better at and some things you're better at. But you know, when I have the ability to really look at that and address that there are days that I don't feel like I'm good at this. Again, I'm talking that protector down. It's like, okay, I feel hurt. 
Okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to have a little conversation with ourselves, the counter agent and the protector, about reframing that story and looking at it broader. You know what? There are days I don't feel really good about what I'm doing, but man, I sure serve my clients well. And, you know, there may be issues about my sales or about my productivity that I want to make better that I would have defaulted to, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. But now I'm creating that space again where I'm looking at it and going, you know what? I do have some game here and there. And when we, and that's why I'm such a fan of appreciation because appreciation looks at what I need, what's not going right and gives me a path to getting to a place where I feel competent and I feel better and I feel more confidence. So uh, um, does that answer kind of yeah, definitely. <laughs> you more than answered the question. You added another Sorry. topic. No, it's great. It's <laughs> great. I could keep going. But um, as we wrap up here, is the, are there any like last tips or words of wisdom you could leave? So when I talk about little me land, uh, to me, that's the dark switch. You've got the protector that's kind of casting this cloud over you. And when I talk about authentic me land, what I'm doing is I have agency, I feel balance in the story that I'm telling, and occasionally I get down to that flow state where I what I call enlightened me. And I believe that anybody that's listening to this has the ability to access that place where we can call it God, the universe, infinite intelligence, it's there. And the key is, is to work on turning off the dark switch, which is talking the protector down and having a more authentic story about what I'm looking at that's making, that's bothering me. And then what happens is I'm opening myself up to that, that little light of mine <laughs> is way down at the bottom and always, always there. It's the one that can answer authentically the question, is this serving me? So what the whole point of that is, I want people to know that you have the answers within you. And that's the first place to start. And this is why this model is so important to me, is that it's a, a way for me to visualize and talk myself to a place where I have greater access to that. And so as a business owner, it's, oh man, I mean, I know how tough it can be. Like I really, really know. And, and having the benefit of this way of thinking has created so much clarity and so much more meaning, you know, meaning and purpose all live down below that line. And if you can make uh, the effort to appreciate yourself down from little me's victimization, uh, you're going to have so much more of a fulfilling job as a business owner, as a solopreneur, entrepreneur, whatever your specific title is. Uh, and so I just encourage you to do that, to really take the time when those emotions crop up and look at that. What's the story I'm telling? Is it serving me in this moment? And can I be more authentic? And all of that lies within us. I love that. And I'm going to use your questions on my own. 
<laughs> my yes, own please. stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to thank you so much for your time today. I've absolutely loved learning more about your work and how important it is to understand what we're telling ourselves and being aware of these stories that we may be perpetuating in our life and business. And um, I'm sure people want to hear more about you. So where can they come find you uh, and connect with you? Well, the first place I want to talk about is um, on YouTube. I don't have, and I'd really love if your listeners would go and uh, subscribe. I need 100 subscribers to drop the other oh, stories we tell, you know, youtube.com forward slash other stories we tell. In the absence of that, if you would search for Oh, the Stories We Tell on YouTube, a little blue thought bubble with uh, orange writing in it, Oh, the Stories We Tell will pop up. Click on that. And there's um, a playlist on my YouTube channel called The Honesty Project. And it has been one of the most meaningful things for me. Uh, a friend of mine who I used to work with and then would see her on a regular basis about seven or eight years ago, I kind of just gave her a brief overview of the of the model. And she got a hold of me last February, just before COVID, and said, you know, I've got a bunch of stuff that I think you could help me with with this model. Like, I could tell you something I'm struggling with, and you could tell me how it would plot, apply in the model. She's wonderful. Melody Hilton, Off-Road. Uh, I can't think of her URL right now. Anyway, Melody Hilton and I have about 14 hours of, 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 or 14 videos up that I encourage any woman, especially to watch because, um, it just, it's really good. <laughs> I don't know how else to tell you. It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> also, oh, the stories we tell, um, and link tree forward slash, oh, the stories has all my, all kinds of links for you. Cool. So I'll be sure to put that information in the show notes so people can come find you. And I just wanted to thank you again. It was such a pleasure talking with you today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Agatha. I have tremendous respect for what you're doing. And, uh, and I'm super happy to be a part of that in any way I can. Thank you so much. All right, ladies. I hope you got some good nuggets of wisdom from our conversation today. Keep dreaming, keep serving, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Solopreneur. I hope you're getting some good information and some inspiration to help you grow your business. If you like what you've heard and you want the support of a business coach, come on over to agathabrewer.com and schedule a free consultation with me. In this call, we'll talk about your goals for your business and see if it makes sense for us to work together. My one-on-one -on -one coaching program is specifically built to help new entrepreneurs like you launch and grow a successful business. This program will help you get clarity on what you want to build, create a strategic plan of action, and identify and release any mindset blocks that are standing in your way. Because building a business shouldn't be so hard, and with my support, You'll reach your goals way faster than if you try to do it all alone. So I invite you to give yourself the gift of personalized support so you can build your dream business that allows you to live the life you want and make a bigger impact on the world.